Hey everyone, Ryan here. On today's episode, Scott and I talk about an article that was recently on GamesRadar.com uh, about editors, art directors, artists, and writers. So it's a good one. Uh, there is some some clicking noise coming from one of our ends that uh, makes the audio less than less than a thousand. But uh, it's still a really great conversation, and I think you'll all enjoy it. So thanks and enjoy episode 250 of The Illustrious Gentleman. First cream soda, or is it a... IBC. IBC. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. I'm sure it's on the bottle somewhere. Not that that's important at all. I mean, we could spend the next uh, hour talking about what, I, what we think IBC means. Hmm. Let me make some C, notes. You think the C stands for cream? I think it stands for conservative. How many times do you think I can say cream in this podcast? Jesus. I think we're going to find out. Yeah. You thirsty, buddy? This I'm is very episode, thirsty. This is, this is episode 250. So you're celebrating the quarter century mark of the illustrious gentleman with a cream soda. Mm. This is going to be the family fucking friendly episode. I bet. Uh, you can go to tigshow.com for all your illustrious gentleman needs. There's a new shirt up that's not linked on Tig. That's not linked at tigshow.com. Uh, so just go to my Twitter account at Ryan Cody, search for it. There's a link up. Yeah, I gotta fire our webmaster, hire somebody new, I suppose. Uh, you can become a Patreon supporter of the podcast, this podcast, my other podcast, and my comic book work at Patreon.com/slash/Super75Studios. Yeah, go to TickShow.com for everything you need. Go to Patreon.com/slash/Super75Studios. Give me some money. Yeah, anything, everything. Everything he needs right there. All right, so you're drinking an IBC. You are slamming an IBC cream soda. Jesus Christ. It's 106. I got no AC in my car. I haven't given up on us yet, so I have an alcoholic beverage. And as soon as the, the vents start blowing warm air, I just tell the kids, just lay down. It's all it's over. over. It's over. Yeah. Draw a warm bath. Get a fresh razor. Uh, I'm drinking Oso Brewing's Pop Aww. Cycle Pop Cycle Blonde. Mm. Uh, I like a, everything but the blonde part of that. Yeah, this might be problematic. It's a it's an ale with lemon and raspberry flavors. Give me a pop cycle brunette. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm excited about the raspberry flavor. Not too excited about the lemon flavor. But we'll we'll see. It's only four and a half percent. So we'll see. Know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, I'm on. I'm gonna hard out here in about an hour, so I'm. Tr- I'm gonna move us along if that's okay with you. It's just gonna. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have anything cool to say about Oso, except that I'm drinking a canned version of a beer I can get across the street. I miss Oso. Yeah. Oh, so much. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna uh, after this podcast is over. I say we. It might be just me, but who knows? Some of us. The royal we. Some people might walk across the street to the new Roses by the Stairs Brewing. Just to check it out. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the name is fucking atrocious, <laughs> but the beer might be good. Who knows? And, it, you know, it's, it's, I've never been to a brewery that's literally right next door to another brewery. So that'll be an interesting uh, aspect to it as well. Yeah. Let me know if they've got like weird UFO shit on the walls. 
I will. Well, I mean, I will, but also like thank thank God for him. It's the only reason shit's being declassified. That's right. Is because yes. of that dude, Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong. On my end, your mic is scratchy. You might want to fiddle with your connector. Scratchy, like popping. Okay, not like Catherine Turner scratchy. No. Uh, so I only have a couple things to. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I want to. I want to thank you for uh, for wheeling my crippled ass around Phoenix Fan Fusion. Not that there's anything wrong with being crippled, but for me, it was a new experience. It was my first time in a wheelchair, and you picked me up. You drove me to the con. You pushed me up a r- parking garage ramp. You wheeled me around. It's very kind of you. But you can't walk. I'll carry you, brother. Yeah, there was only one set of footsteps because you were carrying me. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, the, the month from hell was May. I had COVID. I had to cancel my Chicago trip. I had to uh, cancel my appearance at Acme, which I'm sure everyone was crushed over. Uh, and then I had to show up at Phoenix Fan Fusion in a wheelchair because of my back. So uh, May can eat my butthole. Um <laughs> We're moving on to June, baby. It's June third. I'm excited about June. I'm going to Heroes Con this this month. I'm going to DC this month. If I have my way, I'm going to have a beer in Baltimore this month. So uh, let's hope that June doesn't continue the trend that may set. Uh, I have a question here that I wrote in our notes weeks ago because we haven't properly recorded in like a month. Uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion we recorded, but we haven't done one of these one of these proper ones in like a month. Uh, is, is there a TV series or a movie series that you care enough about to read comics based on it? Ah, because I saw that Buffy is now Buffy's probably been comic, been in comics longer than it was ever a TV show. Mm-hmm. And they just keep having Buffy comics. And I'm curious who reads the Buffy comics. Yeah, I don't know. A show I like enough to read a comic continuation or adaptation of. Man, I don't know. Um, uh, Sweet Tooth, the boys, uh, Why the Last Man. Right, but those were comics before they were shows. I'm talking about shows that are now comics. Thank, thank you for explaining the joke. No, yes. no, I, I oh, don't. Oh, that was. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a joke. I, I would. I would read the shit out of a Mash comic. I guess I don't know. Would you read an illustrated graphic novel of Raylan Givens? Would you read a justified comic? Oh, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read. I think the only Star Trek comics I've ever read are the Star Trek X Men crossovers that uh, Top Cow Studios did. But that's the closest I've ever come to ever reading a comic that was based on like a TV or a movie. And I don't count the Predator. I guess Predator. I've read Predator oh. comics. Oh, okay. Have you? I have not. It's because they were I, drawn by... Oh, it's cool. <laughs> it's great that you don't have your own space. I appreciate that. It's awesome. Um, uh, I mean, I guess give me the right creators and I'll read anything. Like Alien Salvation. Sure, yes. Alien Salvation it, is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to bring that up. I, I, I might... If I had the time and the funds, I I might write, read um, Marvel's Alien series by my good friend Philip Kennedy Johnson. 
Um, I have neither of those things. Do you, do you think Philip Kennedy Johnson refers to you as his good friend? Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson calls me his good friend, Scott Daniel Gutleski. Uh, yeah, there's nothing that I there's there's nothing I would pick up on a regular basis. No, I can't think of anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, Doom Patrol, maybe. I, don't know. I mean, have you ever picked up a Doom Patrol comic? It's a comic. Yeah. All right, today's topic. Oh, unless you got some TikTok. Uh, no, I'm in the house. Yeah, we all know. Yeah. Yeah. We all know you're in the house. The ambiance. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's the first step, is getting back into the house is the first step, you know, towards rehabilitation. Sure. Yeah. It's 78. It's nice. Yeah. There's a, is that what you keep your AC at? Let's talk about what our what we keep our AC at. I think it's, se- it might be 77. I see. I go seventy-seven. It's, uh, it's upper seventies. Yeah, I go seventy-seven. But when I get home from work, we crank that down to about seventy-five. But then at bed, crank it back up to seventy-seven. Interesting. Yeah, that's what that, that's what people who don't care say. You know what? I don't say interesting. That. I love sure. that word. Yeah, it's so dismissive. Ah, interesting. Uh, but here in the studio, it is fucking freezing. Hence, why I'm wearing a sweater. It is ice cold. Yeah, but that's bizarre. If, but if we complain that it's too cold, then the AC does not come on at all, and then it and is they too turn hot. it down more. Yeah, they they punish us. So there is a Nest thermostat in the hallway that we do not have access to. We don't qualify. <laughs> you don't have access to. Yeah, we're not allowed. It's got a box around it. You can't touch it. <laughs> it's behind a security door, like. You can reach through the bars, but it's just yeah. an inch too far. Yeah, there's a bouncer with like a red velvet rope around it. Uh, all right, today's topic is uh, an article. By <laughs> <laughs> <It's crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mute that fucker. Today's topic is an article by Jim McLaughlin. Uh, I know Jim uh, through his work with the Hero Initiative, but he also worked for Wizard Magazine back in the day. And uh, he does, he runs some company or something now. I don't know exactly what he does. Yeah, something. But he run a, He wrote an article for uh, gamesradar.com, which I think used to be Newsarama, but now it's gamesradar.com, which is where you go for all your comic Oh, there, is that? No. I, I did not know. Yeah, so if you're looking for your comic book news, you go to gamesradar.com. That's, that's where I would think to look for comic book news. Uh-huh. And when Not I'm when I'm for game news or radar news, right? Yeah, I was gonna say when I when I'm curious about where the International Space Station is overhead, I go to JamesRadar.com. <laughs> uh, but basically, the topic of the article was uh, why comic books become have become it's worded oddly. Why comic books become a more of a writer's less of an artist's medium. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit before. And so I thought, why not? And then apparently it popped people on Twitter, even other artists are now saying it's like a artist versus writer. And that's not how, that's not what I got at all from this article that I read once and perused twice. I don't, I don't get that. It's an artist versus writer thing. I think it's trying to Um, explain, I think it's trying to explain some stuff based off the opinion of two creators. Yeah. It's, um, it's a thing that, uh, uh, only people who are neither 
refer to it as such, which is strange. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I, it, well, I guess my point was everything is people's opinion. So anything I say in this podcast that people might be upset about is uh, just my opinion. I'm just, I'm just talking. Right. Just I'm your just, opinion. I'm just a middle-aged man with a bad back in front of a mic, looking at another middle-aged man, drinking a cream soda, giving my opinion. Uh, so, so you, you sent this article over, which I'm, I don't know how it popped up into your feed. Um, but you, you put it on our discord chat this morning. So I read it. And like I said, I I know Jim, not, not very well, but I know Jim a little bit through his work with the hero initiative. Um, but, uh, what, what, how did this pop up in your feed? What was your first thought? Why did, why did you share this article with me? Oh, knowing we were recording today and not having a topic. I thought maybe this would do it. <clears throat> I don't remember where I saw this. I think I saw Tim Seeley post it, maybe. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and I didn't read any of the comments or anything. No, never read the it's, comments. Um, it, it might be the most... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um I don't know. It's uh, it, it might be the most thoughtful version of this particular subject that I've seen. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think it gives it um, it gives it real consideration be, beyond just you know image guys versus yeah whoever the fuck Mark Miller or something. Yeah. I, uh, what I liked about it, there was one thing, one tweet I saw was said like they would have liked to have, cause the two people that there were editors in the article, but also two artists and writers. So Mark, uh, um, sorry. So you had Howard Chaikin and Dan yeah. Jenkins were the, the two mainly the cited writer people. artists. So they were saying it would be nice to have just a straight up artist contribute their opinion as well. Um, but, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and put some some trust into Dan Jurgens and Howard Chaikin. They they used words I don't aren't my that are not in my vocabulary. So I'm going to go ahead and trust that they know more than I do about most things. But basically the gist of the article was trying to dis, trying to talk about how it's shifted to a writer's medium and a lot of it was based on the fact that uh most companies don't have art directors anymore and most editors are just writers and have never drawn comics. And we've talked about that in the past. I, th- I think having editors who haven't drawn comics is a, is, is something's missing. I think some uh, or the the industry could be benefited by having more artists uh, become writers or sorry, more artists become editors. But there is a there is a real thing in that article talking about how like everyone in comics. This is a quote from Mark Wade. Everyone in comics is underpaid, but editors are so underpaid. You'd have to be an idiot to be an artist and say I'm going to give up this for an editorial job in New York City. Uh, so that's the main reason a lot of editorial work is filled with writers is because they're young, they're just breaking in, and the money is not as drastically different than drawing comics. You know, pay, sure. Pay, pay, I mean, pay, there's, pay there's some context there, too, though. Right. I mean, <clears throat> you know, 50 grand in New York City is nothing, but, you right. know, 50 grand in Grand Rapids. Right. Not the same thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw this. If someone was going to offer me fifty grand a year to be an editor, I'd I'd be an editor. I like sure. I've always thought I've always thought I would like to be an editor, but then John Layman tells me you don't want to be an editor. You're just you're just managing schedules and you're just managing babies basically all day long. Yeah, I I yes, I agree. Based on me being the talent, no, I would not want to be an editor. That's right. I'd be lighting your ass up with text all day. All day. Where's my pages, God Lesky? You forgot the fucking tattoos on Aquaman again. God oh, Jesus. Going to take take money out of your account. Uh, all right. So why don't we just go? I'll, I'll go over a quote here, and you can jump in, or if you have notes, you can jump in. Um, th- so this is something that uh, Jim wrote. Here it says the main reason, or one the main reason some people believe is the man hours required. Uh, it's often said it takes a writer twelve seconds to type. A thousand soldiers come rushing over the hill, and it takes an artist twelve hours or more to draw it. And in today's world of pixel perfect reproduction and fan demands for enhanced realism, artists cannot keep up with the writer's pace. Uh, yeah, I do think that the, I, I don't think the MC, I don't think comic book movies have helped and video games how realistic you can get animation now. I don't think it's helped the comic book artist. And the fact that like you used to be able to just draw sh- not shitty backgrounds, but you didn't have to draw every fucking window on a building. And now fans think you're lazy if you don't draw fully detailed backgrounds. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm calling mostly BS on this particular argument. Okay. You're not shipping it. You're shipping it. I'm not, I am not shipping it. I am shipping it. I, I don't think uh, I think one of the things they don't talk about in the article I think part of the reason why you could I, I don't I'm going to use the word undervalued for artists mostly because I can't think of a substitute at the moment One of the reasons they don't talk about that I believe exists is that I think a large part of the readership doesn't give a shit about the art. You think that's true? I do think that's true. I wouldn't use the phrase give a shit, but I don't think the a large portion of the readership gives a shit whether it's drawn by... Uh, Sean Murphy or whether it's drawn by uh, you know I know Dick Spring this might be a consequence of our own making where the audience knows they're not going to get six consecutive issues of Pepe on X-Men so they built in this um, sort of apathy to um, expectations from the artwork, I guess. So maybe it's the opposite of what this particular point in the article is making. I don't think there's greater expectations for stuff. Okay. Well, we've talked in the past as a comic book reader, not that we talked about this last week, not that you read comics. Would you be willing to wait nine months and have Pepe Larraz do a full six issue run and have that collected without any fill. Like 
I wonder if comic book fans are willing to let go of the monthly schedule to have it me personally. Yes. Right. Because I don't read monthly comics going to the store every week or every month is not part of my ritual or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I, I am more than willing to wait to get the thing that I would rather have. Sure. And, and that's not to say that, um, you know, uh, like RB Silva is no scrub, man. No, you know, I, I, I would still pay for his work. I totally would. Right. So, <clears throat> the problem comes when uh, the the disparity between those two artists is greater than that. Yes. Yeah, I would say I would say eighty percent of comic book fans couldn't tell the difference between Pepe Larraz and RB Silva. Yes, yeah. I, I would agree with that, especially on m- mainstream big two stuff, mm-hmm. where it's not it's just not the creative team selling the book. You know, Superman's going to sell Superman, Batman's going to sell Batman, right? Uh, all right, so here's a quote that I saw some people taking. Uh, it's the word umbrage with whatever. Ooh, umbrage. Uh, from Howard Chaikin. And he said, he said, the quote, the editorial staffs at the majors are staffed almost entirely by writers who have little or no narrative sensibility, <laughs> who know little of what a narrative picture means in the context of a page or a panel. I think this sounds more aggressive than he meant it. I just think he means like you can grow up reading comics. And knowing how to read comics and knowing how to look at comic art is not the same thing as knowing how to draw a page or how to lead the eye or how to. But, yeah, sure. So I wouldn't say all these young, newer editors that are writers don't know what a narrative picture means in the context of a page or a panel. But I do think a majority of them may not know how did artists get from script to pay to final panel. And I, you would think an editor would understand that thought process. And maybe all of them don't. Again, just my opinion. I don't want to get. I don't want to get in trouble. Sure. I would, would an editor having an art background or even being, I don't know, comic art curious? You know, it is comic to art the point where month. they're asking questions, you know? Right. Um, is. What serves the final product more? It might be that pair of eyeballs that that don't make comics. Right. I agree. Well, I mean, I, I I think that's a part of it. I don't. Know I think it's. I, I think that's a that, that's a valuable yeah thing to have. Um, is somebody that you know didn't have an interest in drawing comics, maybe, or grow up drawing comics, right? You know, wow. um, to, to be the 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 uh, the reader proxy, right? Yeah I, yeah, I apologize to listener. I got sirens behind me. Your mic's oh, I can't popping. Hear it. Your mic's popping. I think you is might it have, still? You think you have guinea pigs and dogs running around? It's fine though. I'm listener, so I'm apologizing to myself basically. Uh, but yes, I think there's going back to the conversation, I think there's levels to it, right? Like when I used to draw con when I was, my kids were little, I would often have them look at a page to, 
to see if it, if they knew what was happening, right? Can you tell what this guy's doing? That's level one. Can can someone who doesn't draw know anything about comics follow a comic book page, right? If you put it in front of them. But I think there's another level where you have an editor who's like, oh, I see that you could tell, I see that you told the story effectively, but maybe there's a more dynamic way to tell it. There's like another, you can level up, I think, with a keen eye and an, ed- and, and an editor or an art sure. director who, who yeah. can go back and be like, yeah, that, that panel's fine. Yeah. But if you that's have fine. a couple hours, why not make it better? Yeah. Where, uh, you, wouldn't, and, you wouldn't get that from the untrained eye. Um, sure. And if you're, if you are that editor, have awareness that you are that editor and for the love of God, please approve layouts. So I don't have to draw the fucking thing again. Do you ever get notes on like, I never get notes. And, and, and what I should have said at the beginning of this podcast, I know less than a handful of editors. So I'm just talking in general sense. Sure. But I rarely get notes, but when I do get notes, they're all like when I implement them, they're always better. The page yes. always ends up being better. Yes. Um, do you do you get a lot of notes on layouts? This is something listener might. Um, no. Usually, the only notes I get are, um, um, uh, 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 character sheet or on model sort of stuff. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> uh yeah so i don't know i i think this is a little harsh on all editors um but it doesn't negate yes the fact i that agree it doesn't negate the fact that there aren't a lot of editors who have a history or a background yeah, in narrative story I, t- visual narrative story t- yeah i yeah i don't know i don't know what the experience is for for a lot of people um i mean i haven't I haven't had an experience with an editor where I've come away thinking, oh, I wish they could have this or, you know, and I wish they were this way or whatever. So so a lot of that part of this discussion is very alien to me. Okay, here's something that I thought rang pretty true. And you and I always talk about, like, comics is one of those weird areas that... uh, Everyone who reads it wants to work. Everyone who's a fan of it wants to work in the industry. So not everyone can draw, but everyone knows how to write. So this here's a quote. Uh, I think this is also by Chaikin. I could be wrong here. Uh, quote, but for the most part, these people can identify the skill sets of artists at most in a shamp, shama, shama, shamanastic sense. Just use an easier word. Jesus. It's transubstantiation. Come on. He is a writer artist, but they know what a writer can do. They have a keyboard. They have a monitor. They know what work is. They know what the work is, but they cannot begin to imagine what it is the artist is doing to the writing to make the writing actually fit the comic book page. So basically he's saying like anyone can write everyone know, or everyone understands what typing is and what writing is. And sure. Most people, most people understand what, what creative writing is and what, and what screenwriting is or writing for comics is. Very few people can apply that same common knowledge to drawing a comic. Um, ye- yeah, that's probably true. Um, I don't know how much interest average reader has in um, the transubstantiation of it all. You know, yeah, that's, I, I, I should have paraphrased that shit. Like, uh, I fuck. I think one of the trades of copperhead has 
uh, one of Jay's um, scripts in it. Right. Um, it, it, to me, to somebody who's sausage curious, um, it is the month to be sausage curious. Uh, it, I think that stuff's fascinating. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a person also that likes r- reading film scripts. I think it's yeah. super neat. Um, and <sighs> yeah, it, it, also a lot of the times with the scripts I get, I know you see it with all of Brian's stuff, but I can't think of somebody I've worked with who hasn't done this, but all the scripts start with, Hey, this is the best way I can think of to do it. If you've got a better idea, go for it. Like, yeah, every writer I've worked with works like that. So it, which makes the forced writer versus artist narrative even sillier to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, writers almost, almost always give artists creative freedom to do what they need to do. Uh, it's funny you bring up Brian's scripts because a lot of times since I see the page almost last, a lot of times I'll look at the script and I'll be like, oh, Scott didn't draw this. And then I have to be like, is it my place to say anything? Or did Scott just choose to draw it a different way than the script? Because now I'm coming in third into this. Well, if, yeah, but you ask questions. Yeah. So, and, and, and usually, and it, yes, it's, <laughs> I just, I went rogue or yeah. not, not even that. Like rogue is like adding a panel or two with like right. a reaction shot. Yeah, I just went just, brain dead and just yeah, left just something basically. out. Yeah. But it's funny because it's, it's, it, for me, I feel comfortable because I can just text you or go into the discord and be like, Hey man, this. This isn't what's in the script. Was that done on purpose or not? And you and I have a good enough relationship where you can just be like, yeah, that's done on purpose. Or you can be like, oh, shit. And I'll be like, I got it. But if I was coloring someone I had never met on a book where I didn't know the writer and I didn't really know the artist. Yeah, it, I, I, I could a, understand. It'd the be a little awkward for me. To, yeah. Knowing whether or not that's your place. Right. Like there's still a, I'm not going to spoil it on air, but there's still something the book we're doing together that is in the back of my mind is driving me absolutely nuts. I don't think I've ever even said it to you. So we'll do that. Oh my God. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Juicy. Yeah. Again, this is kind of, it is kind of forced. Cause, cause I also read a tweet today from Brian Hitch about the same article where he was saying he had a writer who used to give him looser scripts. He would draw it. And then the writer would rewrite the script to match the art. So yeah. then, so then if it was published in the back of a trade, like you said, Jay published the scripts, it would match up to what Brian drew. Um, I guess I would like to see all three or all both versions of that. I want to see the script that, that Brian drew off of. And then I want to see the changes the writer made to match the, the artwork. Sure. Um, and all that's fine. You know, as long as, as long as all these changes are done before the book gets to the letterer and the letterer doesn't have to letter twice. Uh, I'm into that. I, I, I don't, because I'm not a writer and I don't, I mean, I don't know what their page rates are. I don't give a shit, but I don't think there's any problem with the writer having to go back through after all the art comes in and tweak, eh. do dialogue tweaks, do some rewrites. I guess if, if that's an expectation, you know, um, up front of the job, I suppose that's fine. But I mean, if you're going to write full script, I would 
be totally understanding of a writer saying, I've, uh, I, I've done it. Right. I did the work. Yeah. I, I've done yeah. what I was paid to do. You know, why should I have to? Yeah. I mean, when I make changes, do it on the a book, second time. When I make changes on the book that I'm drawing and I turn the pages in, I tell the writer, like, oh, I thought about this. I move some panels around to the next page. You know, I, I, I pace it a little different, but everything's there. There's nothing to worry about. You know, and I don't even like he's like, oh, I'll, I'll make edits to it before it goes to the letterer. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, I think the letter figured it out. Like, it's pretty straightforward. I never go too <laughs> far off the I never go too far off 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 the script I'm given. Um, but I will straight up cut some panels that I, I, I think are unnecessary. Yeah. But again, that's I'm the guy drawing it. So m- maybe I'm biased. Um, Tom Brevoort, editor Tom Brevoort uh, wrote. The balance is off. There's a weakness there of a skill set. A lot of editors today don't have the artistic training or maybe even the language to discuss some of the stuff effectively with their artists. Uh, I, I I think this has some merit. I think there are some editors who, and then there's okay. an example. There's an example in the article that I'm going to read here in a few minutes. There, I think there are some editors who maybe don't know how to discuss this with their artists because they just don't know. It's not part of their. It's not part of their dialogue. It's not part of their background. Um, so I think there is like a language barrier there as far as skill set language barrier. Um, but I also think, I mean, let's go back to the fact, I just think editors are over fucking worked. If you're asking an editor to go panel by panel and fucking make notes on every, first of all, nobody wants that. Nobody wants notes on every panel, every page. No. But, yeah, nobody wants to do it, and nobody wants right. to get them. Yeah, but to expect them to do it. I mean, a lot of times I get emails from editors, and it's after business hours. So these people are working later than I am. I always read, you know, you always see, like, comic artists, like, oh, I work 24-7. I work 80 hours a week. I work 9 to 5. Yeah, so, right sometimes here. I can't believe how early I get emails back from Michael. Yeah, sometimes I get emails late, like 8, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm like, man, come on. Let's watch some TV. Let's chill out. Yeah. Get some Uber Eats. Yeah, it, it's weird because I've I've been frustrated that I can't get an email back on a Saturday, but then also <clears throat> I'll get one on like ten o'clock Monday night, and I'll be like, "Dude, just it can wait." Yeah. So I don't know. No, I, what I'm saying is there's no pleasing me. No, but okay. So taking this quote from Tom Abrevort into account. What, what would be the harm? And I think in this article, they talk about Howard Chaikin does do a class. He does like a TED talk, essentially. For yeah, that's interesting. There's a link for it, and I guess it's free online. We should take yeah, a look at that. We should, but not right now. Um, but yeah, I, you would think that if, you're, if, if, I'm, if I'm a publisher of a company, I would have my artists or my editors, sorry, watch, watch these or undergo one of these classes just so they get an idea of, of what the artist is doing and, and you know, you know, they just get a basic uh, general language study or general thought process on on what's happening there. Not that editors ever are like, oh, you went off script, blah, blah, blah. That, I don't think that ever happens. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with editors making some art decisions if they have a background to make those art decisions. They should be more than just schedule, you know, handling schedules and handling talent. Um, yeah. If you have a question or a curious about a, a decision that has been made along the way absolutely you know just ask ask about it if i'm making a change if i'm deviating in some way 
usually when I send pencils, I'll be like, I, this is why I did this. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I don't think of an instance where I've ever gotten any pushback on any of those. Do you feel, do you personally feel, cause like I said, when I, whenever I make changes to the script, which I don't do that often, I'm pretty, I'm pretty loyal to the script, but when I make changes, I automatically feel like I have to defend them. Like I, that's the email is me defending my changes. Do you feel like you have to do that? Or are you just doing that? I don't feel like I'm defending it. If I'm, I'm explaining it. Yeah. No, I, I I never feel that that's a negative sort of reaction is defending. So I, I, I don't feel that way. Whenever. Yeah, and And I guess any issues with that should be brought up at the layout stage, not. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I need to do more of that. Um, I think in my experience, I should probably be doing that with 90% of the pages that I do. Not because there's anything wrong with them. Not because, I think it should be done this way and not that way, but just because the way that I am able to create, like, or or achieve creative satisfaction for myself, is being a part of that, and I don't feel like I'm inserting myself if I'm invited to that party with every script, you know? So I, I I should be doing that. I should be looking at ways that I can, um, uh, I, I I can make it a little more personal for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, If for nothing more than just to make me, you know, 10%, um, more excited and invested in the work. Um, yeah. It, just because it's, it's something I like to do. Like pacing is a big deal to me. Um, and so if there's an opportunity for me to do, to help it somehow, if I think it needs that, I, I love that stuff. I, I love expanding one panel into three or, um, condensing two into one or whatever. I, yeah. I, I need to do more of that stuff. J- j- yeah, just to keep myself engaged more. Yeah, there's a, there's something in this article that, that touched on that about having a, having an agency in the storytelling rather than just tell, rather than just translate the story, you're actively contributing to storytelling. Yes. Which I, which I think is, again, I think I don't think any editors really have a problem with that. I think that's I think that's something maybe artists are, st- are hung up on. Like, oh, I got to change this, but I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think editors or, or writers really they're into that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if writers get. I don't, I don't know if writers really get pissed off if you switch shit up as long as it's within reason. You know, you can't do weird shit. It, it's but, it, but it does it's give you ownership. Then uh, it's different than like a screenwriter, right? Um, getting a, a performance or a director getting a performance out of an actor, where you're dealing with uh, 
you know, uh, cadence and inflection and line delivery and all that stuff. You're because you're dealing in 24 frames a second where it's just, um, but every single one of those frames is contributing to, uh, the overall tone and feeling and everything of, of the work you're trying to produce. And I was thinking about it this morning, probably after I sent you this thing where you're not doing that in comics, you're not getting, you know, a, a, a film script page uh, is roughly a minute, right? One, 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 yeah, one to one screenplay page is a minute of screen time, you know, 24 frames, a second is 1200, right? 1200 frames a page. I'm, I, I get five panels on a page. I have to pick the five moments yes. that are <clears throat> going to most clearly and effectively relay the story, relay the impact of the story on the character and do all of that stuff. Um, so that's where the crime of uh, one of Larry Hama's page building notes was don't ever have people standing around. Because why would you pick that, that moment. moment to put on paper? Right. Just, yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, so, yeah, think about it all the time. That. Yeah. Capture the best moment from that particular action or whatever. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Right. Yeah, writers are writers are lucky where they can uh, uh, write and, and expand and just talk. They can almost freewheel their thoughts about a page or what's going to happen on that page. And then the artist has, like you said, four, five, six, seven instances that they have to choose uh, what happens there. Um, my last quote that I pulled from here is from Dan Jurgens, which I was a big Dan Jurgens fan growing up. Uh, I never met the man, but uh, I, I'm a fan of his work. Uh, yeah, I got, I got uh, placed. I want to say cast, cast on a book, a Nightwing annual once with Dan. Um, that was before I got onto Young Justice. As you- the regular artist. So I had, they had to move me off of that because young justice was starting. So oh, I got, so I got double booked at one point. Ooh. And, fancy. But working with Mr. Jerkins is still on my bucket list. That's just I a was, fun fact. I was thinking off topic. I was thinking, uh, our, uh, whatever they move you on to next, if I'm lucky enough to ride your coattails again, it'd be cool to do like a Nightwing book or just something with like one character. But yeah, Nightwing would be cool. You know, Batman, I know you like drawing Batman. Batman's fun, but there's 100,000 Batman titles. Sure. But also Nightwing has Nightwing's on an Eisner Award-winning run, so let's not... Uh, I, not I would love to, to do more Damien Robin. I think yeah. that, that'd be great. Yeah, I don't think there's a current Robin Solo book, so let's get on that. Um, speaking of which, what's on my mind, our group editor, I, according, according to a tweet I saw, or maybe it's in this article... No, it's in the uh, article... He he went to he's an artist. He went to a school of visual. Yes, arts, so. he had told me that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Shout our out our very own Dr. Niles Calder. 
Mr. Paul Kaminsky. Shout out to Paul. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last quote here by Dan Jurgens. Uh, a few years ago, I was in DC's office and an editor held up a page and gave it to me and said, there's something wrong here. I don't know what it is, but I can tell there's something wrong. Dan said, I took the tracing paper, slapped it down, grabbed the pencil and started drawing over it. He said, the perspective's wrong over here. Composition is messed up here and there. I fixed it. And I think that's what's missing now. Once upon a time, there were editors who could do that. Now it's not so common or not as much. It's a skill drain. That person is no longer, no longer on staff. I think this is the big crux of this article is that there should be someone in the office, maybe even a bullpen. I don't think bullpens exist anymore, but maybe maybe someone in the office that can, if an editor has a question about a page or a writer sure. and you don't want to ask the artist, because you don't always want to go back to the artist and be like, why did you do this? Maybe get a, a third eye on it that has this training, you know? Someone like again, someone like me. Yeah, never, I, never I don't know. Draw, I'm never going to draw a big two book, but I can tell you what's wrong with a page. You know that. Maybe as like a, I don't know, like as last resort, something when the artists uh, won't move off of their original position about something or is being difficult. Uh, because I, it, it's certainly not like a a first option thing. If I send in my pencils, and then I get a note back, the the editor went to Andy Kubert and he drew all over the top of my layouts and told me what was wrong about them. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to push all of my wrong buttons. Right, but there needs to be an option that's not the editor returning the page saying. I don't know what's wrong with this page, but something's off with it. Because if you ask the artist who drew it, the artist who drew it's going to be like, "It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it." Like, th then it becomes asking the artist to second guess their storytelling decision, as opposed to it would have to be someone more senior. Again, it, I would be a cool job for me to have, yeah, get on staff, get some health care, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be the guy on staff telling you like this doesn't make fucking sense. I'll yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this work. one. All right. You don't know about any. So, you, so I don't know about this one. Hey, there the was a bit in here, too. I've been scrolling through trying to find it. I swear to God, it's in here that the, one of the criticisms was that there aren't editors anymore to bring along artists and show them how to do things. What? I can't imagine that being a thing. Sure it was. I'm sure it was a thing that happened when the talent pool was a hell of a lot thinner. But every time that's I not a thing you do now. That, I, that, that's not even an option. I don't. I I can almost guarantee that 100 percent of working comic book pros aren't going to have a stomach for that. Maybe because it's not common anymore, but I mean, there used to be uh, uh, Mark Chiarello at DC that could probably outdraw most of us, outcolor most of us. Sure, uh, there I used guess. To be a Carl, I mean, there used to be a Carl Potts who could write, draw, color. Those guys it, just aren't around. It, it, yeah. I, fuck, I don't know. My first editor um, at Dark Horse, I did one Dark Horse Presents thing, so 24 pages for Dark Horse. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I worked there very long. But my editor was Chris Warner, who I have Chris Warner. Speaking of speaking of uh, Alien and Predator, I have Chris Warner's Alien and Predator series. 
So I knew Chris Warner as an artist. I didn't even know he was a fucking editor until he was my editor. So every 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 uh, note he had for me, I took as gospel because that guy knew what the fuck he was talking about. Okay. Yes. If I don't know. If uh, who who could we pick out of a hat that would? Yeah, fuck. I don't know. I don't know. Um, pick somebody. Ron Lim ends up being your editor. Yes, sure. All right. I I will accept. You know, uh, creative criticism or um, guidance or whatever. I I would totally do that. Um, and I think everybody would, I don't know. It, it feels weird to me because it's all, it almost feels like once upon a time, there was like a, uh, an artist farm system where, you know, they, they, it, somebody they think might have something they bring in and then they coach them up or something. I can't imagine there, anything there, like that. Happening there used today. to be, there used to be tryout series. There used to be DC showcase. There used to be Marvel comics presents. Those don't exist anymore. Yeah. Like Joe mad or whatever was a intern or yeah. Some garbage and practiced, you know, uh, inking pages. He had photocopied or whatever. Yeah. It's not a thing anymore. I mean, no, either you can do the job or you can't. And if yeah. you can't, then you shouldn't be. Yeah. So, okay. So kind of as a whole, then do you think this article, do you think there's anything to it? Do you think there's anything to the fact that there aren't editors who, and there aren't art directors, there aren't people in positions of decision-making that have drawn comics. Do you think there's anything to that in the fact that it seems to be a writer's medium or is it just because, is it just because we're expected to draw comics that look like the MCU now, as opposed to, do I think that books would benefit from editors with art backgrounds? Sure. Um, do I think it's necessary? I don't think I do. No, obviously. I mean, obviously sales numbers show that it's not necessary. I mean... It shows that it's not necessary, but yes, it would benefit. And uh, really kind of like Twitter and the internet fill the role of that. You know, I, I if if I have a question about anything, I can talk to virtually any pro about it. So, I don't know, man. Um. <sighs> I think we got off on a tangent that this article isn't really about that. Well, what do you um, think this article is about then? Well, uh, well, this article is about um, the perceived uh, shift uh, contribution imbalance. Oh, I didn't get that at all. No, what, what no. the fuck? I got, what would I got, it be about then? I got that. It's just it's a uh, it's a shift in the perception of importance to comics. Yeah, what, writers yeah. versus artists. Did I say that? I mean, from what? From a general audience standpoint? Yeah, from 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 reader, from comic book fan. Comics are no longer so. It's no longer Chris Claremont and Jim Lee's X Men. So I, I, it, I don't it know. Is yeah, Jonathan Hickman's X Men. 
I don't, I don't know what the experiment would be. I don't right. know if it's you give a reader, you have a budget to read one book every month. Are you spending that on the book by your favorite writer with an artist you don't care about, or are you picking up the book from your favorite artist right. with a writer you're not excited about? Yeah, the, the real way to – this is not to solve a problem. It's not really a problem but to uh, solve. Often, fortunately, we live in a world where a lot of times you don't have to make that choice. Yeah, if there was a pie chart and they asked comic book reader, why do you pick up a book? Is it character, writer, artist? Character is going to be like 75% of that yeah, pie chart. Yeah, it's going to be pretty high. Right. But I don't think writer is going to be higher than artist. But I just think that that's, again, I think it goes back to uh, everyone. Well, I mean, this, everybody else says otherwise. Well, I don't know. But I think it goes back to that, that point that was in the article earlier is that everybody knows what a writer can do. Or at least they think they know what a writer can do. Not everyone understands what a sequential artist does. Sure. Yes. Right. So uneducated, yeah, I don't know. Uneducated I, fan I, is just gonna. It's gonna be a writer's. They're just gonna. Yeah. Be in it for I don't know. Um, I, I just. But honestly, who gives a shit? We still read page, stuff right? you like. Yeah. I mean, if if you like a certain writer, then read that stuff. If you like a certain artist, you know, read that stuff. It's. I don't know, man. It's all. It's all dumb. I don't think it'll ever swing back to an artist's medium, but I think it's going to quickly become not a creator's medium at all. It's all about the IP. The IP must flow. It is all about producing and less about no man. Less about I don't know about that either. I, I think we are living in the golden age of creator own books. You and I, I don't want to. I, I I am. Th- you and I work for a company that produces like 15 Batman books. Sure. No, no, but I, I'm saying I, I don't think the alternative to big two superhero stuff has ever been greater than it is now. Oh, like a better, uh, uh, people can get, read whatever they want. The, the, the options out there are limitless. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And there's web comics that are read more than the best-selling Batman comic. So yeah, so. we just don't touch on that because we're ignorant of that area. Yeah, we're homers. Yeah, we're, yes, yes. And you know what? If DC wants to put out a 16th Batman book with Scott Godleski on art and Ryan Cody Call on me. colors, <laughs> I'm, all for, I'm all for that shit. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, so it's just, just I, I never, I didn't take this article at all as like a this versus this. I thought it was just trying to explain I, I like the aspect of it of like we've lost this style of editor that used to be around, or you've lost an art director. You've lost the they didn't mention the bullpen. Sure, but I think you've lost that too. You know, yeah. Um, but I don't know that it answers the question of it, is that a positive or a negative? No, for I, the yeah, industry. I, I don't know. I mean, I think again, I think by uh, sales number I don't think and. It, I don't know how popular IPs are. I don't think it matters, right? Okay. Good. It's it's good that we can get 57 minutes into the podcast and come to the conclusion like it doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, that's everything, though. Much like the previous 250 episodes. Yeah, that's going to be all seven or eight episodes of (laughs) Obi-Wan. Yeah, that that might be next week. 
Uh, do you have any wrecks this week before we wrap it up? Anything you've been digging? Uh, I also just want to point out you you were in a you were in a, a fantastic mood this weekend when you were pushing me around. No. You were doing sketches. I didn't hear you verbally bitch about having to do sketches. You were knocking sketches out. I didn't get asked to do any weird ones whatsoever. So thank you, Phoenix. Yeah, you were you were in a in a you were in a uh, a, a rare mood. Uh, it was nice to see you in such a good mood this weekend. Oh. Well, yeah. not that I could see you much because you were pushing me, so you're behind me. Um, uh, no, uh, I, I finished. Uh, I draw you cook with the kid. Uh, that's a very fun show. Check that out. Like that a lot. Uh, Where can listener no, find I'm, that? Is that a YouTube? Show oh, it, I, it's on. I think everything's on. It's a BuzzFeed production, so I'm guessing everything's on YouTube, but we watched okay. it through Hulu. Ah. All right. Um, my wreck, by the way, the new season of The Boys started, and holy shit. It's, I'm excited. It's so good. I think the I'm female, desperate to not be disappointed by something. I think the female might be my favorite character. I was all on the, the, I was all on the butcher bandwagon the first two seasons, but uh, the female... What Karen Fukuhara does without speaking is really impressive in these first three episodes. Um, but yeah, give the give give the first episode of season three ten minutes into it, and like I literally jumped out of the couch. Ca- like I literally jumped off the couch and was like, "Holy fucking shit! I can't believe I with can't your believe back. I yeah, I can't with my back. That's why I'm still crippled today. I can't believe that like some of the shit they can release." much less filming it must have been a fucking gas. But the fact that this shit can be put out on TV that anyone can with a remote can find. It's not like you have to like do an age test to see if you're over 18 to watch this shit. It's like if your four-year-old can work your Amazon remote, yeah, that four-year-old's going to learn some shit. That's the beauty of subscription-based streaming stuff. Yeah. It's, there's, you don't have, you're not beholden to anybody. And it is fucking magical. Um, but I'm also going to recommend, uh, so if you're into hockey or I almost want to say like a hockey, I don't want to use the term lifestyle, but I listen to the spit and chicklets podcast and the way the hockey players talk, sure, their, their lingo, their language or whatever. Uh, if you're into that, if you're into hockey, if you're into like the spit and chicklets podcast, check out uh Shorzy on Hulu. It's a spinoff of Letterkenny. It's all about a guy named Shore who plays hockey and he's in like the the lowest professional league possible. It's like a, it's like a league for adult, like grown men's. It's like one step up from beer league. Uh, it's on Hulu. Uh, it's pretty funny. And it's got like a, even a Ted Lasso vibe. So if you can get past kind of the, the crude whom it's much more, it's more crude than Ted Lasso. And there's some parts that are definitely like more, they, they run the joke way too fucking long in some parts, but it does have a heart behind it. The same way Ted Lasso does. So if you like Ted Lasso, you like hockey and you like, uh, uh, juvenile comedy, then check out Shorzy on Hulu. It's fantastic. Cool. Cool. There we go. A crisp hour and one minute. Crisp. Any, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm snapping that dollar bill right now. <laughs> no, no. no. Um, other than I can't believe uh, Edmonton got shut out. After losing the first game, nine thousand to seven thousand. 
I got to admit, last night's game was a bit of a bummer because it was only 3 nothing. Um, but I am rooting for the Avs in this because their starting goalie is our former goalie. And Edmonton's starting goalie is also the Coyotes' former goalie. But when his ass got traded in like 2015 or whatever to so Calgary, some, Calgary, some uh, former Coyotes goalie is going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, at least one. Uh, but when Mike Smith got traded to Calgary, he did a he did an interview with Calgary Radio, and he said it'll be nice to have some it'll be nice to have players in front of me that can score. <laughs> and then he then he chuckled and then he tried to walk it back. So fuck Mike Smith. Nah, own it, uh, man. Yeah, whatever. He's uh, it's nice to see a forty year old out there, but his ass got chased in game one, and uh, his ass lost game two. So uh, let's go, Avs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although if we get Edmonton in the finals, I get to hear the beautiful Canadian national anthem for another four or five games. The best national anthem ever. Cool, Scott. Send us out of here so I can stop this. Yeah. Um, go watch the boys. Something. Bye.